Welcome to the Flying Baton, the magical land of beginning band. Coming to you from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, your host, Charlie Nesmith. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flying Baton. I'd like to start this episode with a little bit of a personal note. This past school year has been absolutely the most amazing school year of my career. I've had a lot of really great opportunities this year. I had several guest conducting experiences that were really incredible. And I just had such a great connection with the students and gave some really fun concerts. I got to do a lot of judging this year, and I really love hearing my colleagues from around the state and getting to hear what they're able to do in their programs. And when you're the sight reading judge, you get to actually see them work with their kids. And that is really great. It's such an eye-opening experience to see all the different ways that these directors and conductors have really great connections with their students and are able to work with their students in like kind of a stressful environment. And it's really inspirational. I, I absolutely love doing that. My own students have really blown me out of the water this year with their work ethic and their love of playing music together. So it's been such a great year. And the end of the year was quite an emotional time for us because our eighth graders this past year, that's the group that we started on Zoom in sixth grade, all virtual. And we did like these Zoom private lessons with them. And we talked about that a little bit on some of the past episodes of the podcast. But we did these Zoom private lessons with them for each kid, 15 minutes a week. And then, of course, we had the Zoom classes, but those are a little bit less focused on the individual. But as a result of that, we got to know this group of kids better than we've gotten to know any group of kids that we've ever taught. And we were just super close to them. Very, very sad to see them leave and move up to the high school. But the, the most amazing thing about this particular group of kids is at the end of sixth grade, they had really only covered about, I don't know, maybe three or four months of material that we would normally do in a school year. So at the start of seventh grade, we were back in person and they were substantially behind, like really behind, like they could play like Mary had a little lamb and stuff, but they weren't playing, you know, full pieces of music or anything at that point. But those kids came in and they worked a lot before school, after school, during we have like a remediation block and tons of kids would just show up and play and they just love playing together. And by the end of seventh grade, that group ended up further ahead than my seventh grade normally is. And it just really, it really redefined for me what is possible for one year for a group of students. And I had to start rethinking a lot of things like, man, if these kids could do that, like what, what could we do in a normal year? And we just had a great, amazing eighth grade year with them. We played so much fun music and we got to take them to King's Dominion and all these things. And a longstanding dream of mine has been to have a band play at state conference. You know, I've been going to our state conference for 20 years and I've always just it's just always been a longstanding dream to go and get to perform for my colleagues, but also to show what our students can do here. You know, we we teach in a very small urban school. You know, we have about 190 kids per grade level and about 40 percent of those take band. And typically a school like ours does not get picked, especially a school this this small. A lot of times the schools in our state, they get picked you know, have maybe 600 to 1,000 kids per grade level instead of 190 kids per grade level. And they have like several ensembles or they get to mix grade levels and things. And we don't really have those advantages here. But we do have a community that really supports and loves music. And that's that's a tremendous boon to our program. And we were like, you know, I let's just submit a recording. We're really happy with how eighth grade is sounding right now and all the progress they've made since starting band virtually. Let's Let's just go ahead and submit a recording. And I'm fully expecting, you know, nothing will happen. This is like a career goal that I thought maybe would take 20 or 25 years. And to, to our great surprise, we were called and selected to play at a conference. And I'm, I'm just 
enormously beamingly proud of our COVID kids who are going to high school this year because they are the ones on the recording. And unfortunately, they're not the kids that get to play. You know, that's kind of how it is in middle school, especially when you don't have mixed grade level ensembles. The group that sends the recording is, is not the group that goes. So next year's or this, this upcoming group of eighth graders is here. They're also really incredible for a variety of reasons. And I'm excited that they get to pr- prepare that concert and play it. So yeah, so it's, it's just incredibly meaningful to me for so many reasons that the kids that submitted the recording were our COVID babies uh, that we were so proud of and incredibly close to. We're going to try to get them on a bus to come down to be in the audience for that performance so they can cheer on this year's eighth graders. And hopefully we'll be able to work that out. I just got quotes on charter buses and good guy, that that has increased in price. The last time I hired a charter bus was in 2012 for a different school I was working at. We were taking like a King's Dominion trip and for a full day charter bus was $800 a bus. And the quotes I'm getting right now are like $2,800 a bus. <laughs> we'll see if we can swing it financially, but I'd really like those kids to go down and, and hear the performance. Anyway, so for this podcast episode, I really wanted to tap into some band directors who've been really inspirational to me and really helpful to me. I wanted to tap into two people who've been some big mentors of mine and who've also happened to take their groups to say conference. One is Harry Farmer. Harry Farmer currently teaches at Blacksburg Middle School and was previously at Forest Middle School. And he went to state conference with both of those groups. So you really know that he's a master because he not only did it at one school with one situation, but then he did it at a different school in a completely different environment and a completely different situation. So he is a wealth of knowledge and experience. And the second person we've invited on the show is Scott Allred. Scott teaches at Fieldsdale Collinsville Middle School, and that is the feeder for Bassett High School, which some of you may recognize as they compete on the national stage. And Scott, I first heard his group play at State Conference maybe 11, 12 years ago, and they just had the most amazing sound. And then I come to find out, like, he's teaching in a very rural, very high poverty school. Like, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And he's able to just have this incredible band making these amazing sounds. So I kind of cold called him and I said, hey, man, like, can I come down and just hang out with you for a day? And he was like, sure, come on down. So I came down and it was the most amazing experience. I learned more in that day than I learned at any conference or at several years of college. So both of these guys have been really influential for me and been really helpful for me over the years in helping me figure out how I want my band to sound and how I can get it there. So I invited them to come on the podcast to talk about their experience with playing for State Conference, and they have some great things to share. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It was really fun to put together, and I hope you enjoy uh, the wealth of knowledge that our guests have to offer. Let's get to it. Well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast today. No problem. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just really excited about learning about you guys and your experience with playing conference. I mean, I could have you guys on the show to talk about any number of things because you guys are so awesome and just have so much to say about every aspect of teaching. But since they did call my school to play a conference this year, I thought I would learn from the masters and hopefully avoid <laughs> pitfalls before we go. Is there a master? I was going to say, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I just really appreciate learning from your wisdom. And yeah, I'm really excited to go to conference. And they abnormally picked two middle school bands this year, which I... Yeah. I've been going to the conference for 20 years. I don't think I've ever seen him pick two middle school bands before. Yeah, that used to be the norm, didn't it? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever seen two middle school bands at this event. I think it's always been two high schools. There were two middle schools when we went. I think there were two middle schools the year before. They would usually do a middle school, high school on Thursday and a middle school, high school on Friday. Now, after we went, it seems like forever ago, but after we went, I think that kind of stopped. 
and I think it was just from a, a dearth of applicants. I was on the committee not well a couple of years ago, and there weren't people applying. People just weren't applying. And I, I, we get into that a little bit. I think there's a reason a lot of the middle school folks were not applying. And uh, uh, you applied at a good time. Yeah, let's, let's just kick it off with the first question here. So why did you want to perform at State Conference? And can we start with Harry? Sure. I think I wanted to do this just because I thought it was the next step in, in my development. When I was at Forest, we grew leaps and bounds. We checked all the boxes of things that I had at the school level. Then at the district level, we, we really started putting a lot of kids in all district band. I figured out the assessment thing after a while was doing really well at that. And, uh, and then after Scott went the year before I did, I think it, it, when I was at Forest and that really was like, all right, district six can do this since we're in the middle part of the state. Then we put a kid, it, it was the first middle school that I could think of that made it beyond Sandusky middle school, probably 10 years prior to that. Right. And I was like, I thought, man, Scott can do it. I can do it too. Not that, not to belittle anything Scott ever did, but I was like, we just need more representation from District 6 in this part of the state. So that's another reason why I went and, and did that as well. So that was my reasoning for doing that. I did apply several years before that, several times. And I mean, the only thing, when I applied, I was like, the worst thing they're going to tell me is no. And I just kept applying and I got in. How about you, Scott? Well, the, the why, I didn't even, I think I had been, I think I went the year before maybe watched bands and I was still in the middle of my figuring it out process. It felt like I had a band in 2011. That was a really good band in 2011. We were just starting to figure out how to make a decent sound. It's because their band director was just figuring it out. And I remember that year I had talked to Jim Meredith. His name will come up a couple of times. I talked to him. I think he, he came to see the band at assessment. And I met him somewhere that fall. I can't remember. It must have been, he must have been with someone's band. I don't know if it was Heritage. I don't know who it was with. And he said, you need to make a recording for DMEA. And my first reaction was, are you sure you're talking to, first, are you kidding me? Because I'd heard, I think the year before that I'd heard, I'd heard Brad's band, Zimmerman's band. And I'm like, Dude, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. What are you talking about? But he just kept encouraging me to do it. And I had a re I really enjoyed the band that I had that following year, 11, 12. And, and this is one of the keys. It was just the right culture band that was open to it. And I loved those kids so much. They were such a joy to teach that just kind of on a whim in that April, we made a recording, a CD recording. But my plan, honestly, was for those kids is we were going to bring in some guys. We we're going to bring in Star State of Music and they were going to come to my band room and we were going to set up a sound studio and we we're going to make the CDs. And I'm going to, I'm going to give each one of these kids a CD to take when they go to high school because they deserve to hear what they sound like. They're a really good band. They deserve it. And so I did that. And then I just, on a whim, I think I told Trey, I said, I'll just send it off. We'll see what happens. And of course, Trey says, I got pretty decent band too. We would sent mine off. So we both end up sending them off. And uh, I mean, we got a call on June 4, Alan Hall. I'm literally on the phone with Trey. He had just gotten the call from Alan. And I call him and we're talking about how we're going to arrange rehearsals and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I get my phone beeps. And I said, hold on a second. Let me get this phone call real quick. And I pick it up. And right after he had got on the phone with Alan, 
I got on the phone with Alan. I said, great, congratulations. And that was my, and that was a serious oh crap moment for me. <laughs> a serious oh crap moment. Yeah, I can't tell you that there was a why. I didn't, I wasn't planning on this being the next step as, as Harry was. We were still growing and I was still just figuring it out as a band director, what kind of sounds I wanted to make. And hey, it just happened to work out. Right place, right time, I guess. Well, it's amazing that both you and the school you feed into were both featured at the same time. I, I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think it has either. I don't think it's, I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah, that was, a, that was a point of pride for us. But it was a, honestly, it worked out really well because we could help one another quite a bit. I mean, we're literally six minutes drive from each other. So we could schedule our rehearsals where we could each be at each other's rehearsals and help out. So you always had another pair of ears in the room, which is invaluable. What do you guys think about the way that Virginia selects bands for these things? And Scott, you mentioned that it's different now. So I guess my question is, how is it different now? And do you feel that the process is equitable and or fair? Oh, well, I would say, I'm sorry, I don't mean to step on you, Harry, but I think... You've been on well, the committee. I've never been on that committee. So. Right, I, well, just getting some behind, not behind the scenes, this is not cloak and dagger stuff, but we, I think once we were in... In 2012, I think that began a little bit of a change in the process in that I don't know if it changed immediately, but I know that there was a sense in that we need to find bands from other geographical areas. They're out there and we don't just need to find them. We need to encourage. Them. And I think that process was ongoing all the way up through COVID. And I can tell you when I was on when I was on the panel Two years ago, yeah, two years ago, that was stated outright that needed to happen. That if we found someone from somewhere other than the northern regions that that had a band that, that you felt could make some quality sounds, even if they're not playing grade four, not playing grade four or five split at assessment, these, these bands deserve a chance to be recognized. That's something that was definitely on the minds and I think the, I think it's been voted on. I think the shortening of the program has made a big difference now. I don't know if, I think they may have, did they do that after your last one, Harry? I yeah, the shortening of the program definitely was after me. I think is when the conference moved to Richmond. Right. So that they have maybe possibility of more bands performing there. I know that when both times I was selected, that it was kind of mentioned to me, through the process that they were picking bands that they could definitely make good sounds from different parts of the state. They were not at only doing that with bands, but with choirs and orchestras as well to get more representation in the state. Beyond, I think that process, I think that's a good one because when I go to conference, yeah, it's amazing to hear some of those bands from the northern part of the state that can do what they do. But however, that's not where I teach. I want to hear somebody's really fine grade three middle school band of what they can do and hear some music from from that side of the literature. And, uh, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. And uh, so that's, again, that's another reason why I submitted to back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think that process was kind of getting a little bit of momentum until we hit COVID. And then now we're at a point now where we're, we're band programs that are just recovering, especially bands bands in, in our geographic location, like the programs themselves are in recovery modes. I think we made Charlie, you're a good sign that things are starting right. to ramp, you're, that things are starting to ramp back up. But I think after 
Harry in 2019, I think it kind of dried up. I, I mean, I know it dried up for a long time. I mean, time. that was the COVID year. Yeah. I, I mean, that spring, yeah. it, that was the COVID year. So, yeah, it really yeah. did. I mean, hurt bands from our part of the state for sure. Yeah. I just want to do throw out there for anyone listening who's not from Virginia. You guys can feel free to add to this if you want, but the northern part of the state band is set up a lot differently than most of the rest of the state. So just a couple things that come to mind for me is a lot of the kids start band in fourth and fifth grade up there, and they start in sixth grade, most of the rest of the state. Their schools are also a lot larger. So I was talking, I actually, I met Martin Blount this last week at a wedding, and he will also be performing at conference, which is great. So we, we chatted a good deal about that. But I was telling him that one of the reasons I was excited that our school got picked is because our school's not only an urban school, but it's very small. We have about 500 kids in our school. And he was like, oh, we have more than that in one grade level. You know, and right. like a lot of those right. schools have six, 600 to 900 kids per grade level. And in this part of the state, that's more than our whole six through eight schools have. There's several schools up there that have three eighth grade bands. They just, they have so many kids. And when you have like that combined with the financial resources that their school districts have and just a lot of things, I think a lot of schools in the rest of the part of the state feel like there's no way they can compete with that. And I assume that's why a lot of people that have really great middle school bands in other parts of the state may feel like they can't apply. I don't know. Do you guys feel like there's other reasons that people aren't applying? I think it's I think it's some of that. Of course, after COVID, it's a different mindset altogether. But some of it is that word that you said that compete. I think some of them, because we are naturally competitive animals, it, you go and you watch some of these bands and you are competitively intimidated. You're going, I can't beat them. I mean, I, I mean, I can say that every year I can go and go, oh, we can't beat them. We can't beat them. We can't beat them. That's and that's really not the point. It's a, it's really about. It's really about the music that you're making. And we can take a deep dive into that in terms of how that sound and music making is always the great equalizer. Because, I mean, I'll say this just as a generality. You can hear really fine, refined sounds that are just pristine, but are as a performance, it's not something that you would go back and listen to again. We've all been in those performances. I know, Harry, you've been in those performances where you're hearing this absolutely crystal clear sounds, tone qualities. But, but there's yeah, no emotion. There's no effect. You're not walking out going, wow, I could stay and listen to that again. And some of that also goes into programming and knowing your kids. I think one of the advantages that we have with the smaller schools is that we're able to get to know our kids maybe a little better. And I think that allows us to program directly a little more directly rather than generically. Because I'm sure there's some bands that they've programmed what they're going to play on assessment for. They can do that three years out. Here's what I'm playing this year. Here's what I'm playing next year. Here's what I'm playing the year after that. Which is, man, what a great problem to have. I know Carmel's marching band used to do that. I don't know if they still do, but when Salcedo was there, they knew the shows they were going to play like four years out. They, they already had the shows named. So... We don't have that advantage, but the advantage we do have is knowing exactly and intimately because we have to be so hands-on. And this is another deep dive. We don't have private lesson teachers coming in. Because we're hands-on, we know each and every one of our kids to a T. We know how quickly they can move chromatically. We know what kind of hands they have. We know what kind of lips they have. We know if we know that there's a magic note on trumpet we can't program. We can't go higher than high A. 
Like if there's anything above an A, it ain't happening. You know our kids that one, it allows us to program music that is not just on level, but it's effective because we're programming for the particular kid and not just the band in general. Yeah. And that's something I talked with Martin about a bit last week. We were talking about programming and I told him, I was like, look, I just, I don't want to necessarily put together like the perfect program per se, like in and of it's like all the, I want to have this element. I mean, that is a consideration. But if we're going to be practicing this music this hard for this long, I want it to be something that kids really like and something that really resonates with them and they buy into. Because I think ultimately that's going to give them a more meaningful performance and a less mechanical performance. I mean, that is definitely the hardest part about this this process, at least in my opinion, beyond rehearsing it, is the programming of it. Scott and I both, we really had to look at what we had, what we were dealt for that eighth grade year. The, the Blacksburg band I took, I had not one good trombone in it, not one. So I had to hide them the entire time. And while being challenging maybe to, let's say, my hotshot flute player that I had that year. So you're walking a tightrope a little bit on what you can do. I just remember in that performance thinking when the four measures came to my trombones that I needed them to play, please God play. At this point, and 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 they did. I mean, they rose to the occasion. That that's the nice thing about the event too. The kids both year times did rise to the occasion, especially when it was getting closer and closer. But yeah, you had but programming. It's huge. I mean, if you get into a piece and you're like, that's just not going to work. You got it. You just got to let it go, and you can do it again some other time. But that's what I ran into both times. Yeah. And I would say to piggyback on that, just at the middle school level, it's much more difficult because you are, you have to be careful and program for the, not for the kids that made the recording. You have to program for what you hope the kids will be in six months and you have to plan for that growth. They're literally going to have to grow into the program that you program for them. We're not like band factories where we know exactly what our product is going to be all the time. A similar situation with my band I had a strong woodwind section. And brass was just weaker, except for the French horns. And you had to find ways creatively to mask it, hide it. And I think one thing that, that a lot of directors don't do is that just change parts, just change parts. I mean, if you have, if your baritone section's not great and there's a little baritone feature, put it in a trombone. You got a good tenor sax, put it in a tenor sax. Nobody cares. Nobody has a score. Don't be afraid to change stuff around and to make it fit your band. And that's for us, us band directors that, that don't have a, that are a little more rural or urban, as you say. And you need to do that. I mean, I don't think enough people do that at assessment, honestly. I don't, either. I, I don't think they, I don't think enough people do that. I mean, I've had, I had a weak trombone section one year, or I had the lead trombone player play the baritone solo. He had a baritone sitting beside him and he just put his trombone down, played the baritone solo, put it back down. So this just go, it all goes into, to knowing your kids. When it comes to folks like us applying, you really got to know your kids and you have to know their mentality. You have to know whether they've got the grit for it because that grit is something that we talk about a lot, but grit is such an important factor when you're talking about a seventh grader and you're going to ask them to dig and to play, which was back then was a 45 minute program, 45 minutes of music. You ask them to dig and if your kids don't have grit, they're the kinds that are going to give up you look at them after one hour rehearsal and you got to poop your face. Yeah, you need to rethink it. But when it comes to programming for us, like we got to know, like you can't wait until September to program. Uh, something. You got to know. I had to know, like, 
July. I pretty much knew, except with one piece that I was trying to get commissioned and then got it and didn't like it and had to punt. I knew what I was playing. And, and then that's one thing for us. We can't throw pieces out there in September. Right. And get it to happen. I mean, when I got pieces, I think in July and August, and at least before August, I had a probably a list of 25, something like that, probably a little less that I went ahead and ordered. And so I had them. And I did a lot of listening, a lot of critical listening with a score. And then I settled on some that there were five that I really wanted to do at this event from varying levels. And I maybe, and I started both years with maybe the easiest one, just so we could get one down. I could, maybe they felt like they had some success to learn. Cause that's like, guys, we're going to learn a lot. I know I gave the first year I went, I gave the music out early and it was based on a short list from the 20 or 25 pieces that I had. Maybe I pared it down to 15 and then all of them were in the folder. And I told it, and I gave them ways to listen to it. And I said, now's the time to start listening and trying to piece some things together. By when school started, I pretty much had the program down, what we were going to do based on maybe how knowing what I was going to have, you know, how they came in the first week, things like that. And in uh, some things just went away. Hey, Mr. Farmer, we're going to play that. Nope, just bury it in the folder. We'll do it later. And, uh, and then we did, settled in on what we were going to do. Yeah. And we, and I don't know if you did this, Harry, but we took the, I mean, the pieces that we turned in, we played them. Oh, you mean when yeah. I turned in the program in? Like when you sent your recording in? Yes. We played those pieces. I sent two pieces in. We played those pieces. No, I did not. We took them. And for me, as I knew that was the, that was the anchor that, right. that I always had there. Those were anchor pieces for me. And that meant that we could work a little harder on the more difficult pieces because I knew that we had those kind of already in our quiver to play. What pieces did you guys submit your recordings? Now you're asking a question from a long time ago. I sent a spontaneous combustion. I think that's a Sheldon the first year, along with Italian and Algiers. And then the second time it was a little French suite by La Plante. And I paired it with Thunderscapes maybe by Morales. I think that's what they were. Yeah. I sent in, I sent in Black Forest Overture by Sweeney and Pulsation by Salcedo. I also submitted Pulsation by Salcedo. Yeah. I learned about that piece from you actually. Yeah, it's one of those pieces when you get into the middle of it, man, does it sound hard, but it's really not. It's just layers. And that's why I like playing his stuff is that his kids can feel like they're playing. It can be a grade two Saucedo on stage. When you listen, you'll swear it's a three. And then you'll look at the score and go, oh, what is this? Mm-hmm. Pulsation, you'll listen to it. And you go, dude, that's a four. What is that? And then you look at the score and go, oh, okay. So yeah, we did those two. Well, could you guys talk a little bit about your preparation for the events? And I think, Harry, your group was just eighth grade and Scott, yours was seventh and eighth grade mixed. It was. It was. Yep. But you don't have eighth grade together as a class, correct? You had to say it, didn't you? Yeah. That's how stupid I am. Well, I was just curious, especially in that situation, were you doing a lot of after school or weekend rehearsals or morning stuff? Or how did you coordinate that to get the kids prepared? Oh, wow. That was, that's a whole book. Yeah, we did. We did 21 hours of rehearsal that summer, starting in June. And then we had, I think, six Saturdays in the fall in between marching band shows, beginning in 
think beginning at between September and and November. We had we, we had six Saturday rehearsals, some of them three hours, some of them eight hours, some of them nine to twelve, some of them nine to five, just to get the kids get the kids together. But yeah, that was uh, it was interesting. How about you, Harry? What? Well, at Forest, my sixth and seventh graders were, they were every other day. So I, I didn't have them every day. So the eight, when they came together as eighth grade, I know that I had them come in the summer a little bit. We, I just told them, come when you can. I, I think I had some, I had a few rehearsals in July and that was to get them used to things that I would do at the beginning of the year, like long tone exercises, a corral how we were going to tune. Like I have my kids use a tuner every day that they have. And it was to get rid of some of that first of the year stuff that I usually do. I did it in July so that when we came in, when the school year started, we could hit the ground running a little more. Since they were coming from, and my sixth and seventh graders also were divided by instruments. So they never really played together before. Not really beyond getting them ready for a spring and a or holiday or a spring concert. We had a lot of, I think two times a week, I would have sections come in the morning. I had the luxury of having an assistant at the school then. Her name was Jennifer Wilson. And the high school director, David Webb, would he was there every morning. So we could have multiple sections come in at one time, like 45 minutes before school started, just so we could work through some more difficult things in the music that we had pertaining to those sections. Any workday that we would have, and I did this at both schools, any workday we would have, we would have four-hour rehearsal that day. If we had PD, my PD was directing my band that day, and my principals on, in administration understood that. So that was a good time to pull in guest conductors as well, just to get a, a monster rehearsal in. And I did it two hours before lunch and two hours after lunch, something like that, and we fed them pizza every time for free. And that was a great way to get kids in any time is to feed them. And then and that's about all I did. I mean – beyond working in in just regular school day. Now, Blacksburg, I have the kids every day starting in sixth grade. So they had it every day like that. And they were a little more not divided by instrument. They're divided by families of instruments. So when they came together in eighth grade, that band I sent had seventh graders and eighth graders in it meeting in the same class. I had that luxury too. So there was no real need. I don't think I had a before school or after school rehearsal getting ready for that for the lead up. I really don't. I think I had some scheduled maybe in October that I was like, if we get here and we need them, we're going to take them. And I had them already scheduled out with the parents, but I think I canceled every one of them. Here I had the luxury that Daryl Pierman was here for every class period. So if a section was having trouble, he'd take them out. Most of the time he took percussion out, so I would deal with the wins totally. Harry, you touched on this a little bit, but I was going to ask you guys if you feel like your school and or school system supported you in this endeavor, and if so, how? I think both school systems did. I think Bedford County did to a little better degree. One of the reasons why is we had success with the high school program at Jefferson Forest. They had already went twice, I think, to the event, so they knew what kind to, what to expect with us going from, far, from Forest Middle School I know that at Bedford County, they, I wrote to our director of instruction some things that we would need. He covered the expenses for our guest soloists to come down from Boston, put them up in a hotel, put them up at the homestead, pay for their Amtrak ticket. They did pay for all the music. They paid for our transportation and the meal that we had to feed the kids. 
uh, on that trip as well. I think both the meals actually. Our booster organization was a well-oiled machine over there, and they picked up a lot of things like we hit, didn't have outfits for our kids at that point, and, and they understood that it needed to be a little bit better than just saying wear black and white. They went ahead and bought all the school uniforms at that point that we had at that point, as well as some odds and ends feeding the pizza. Let's see, the program was totally donated by one of the local music stores by Star City Music. And that was both times, even with Blacksburg, they did it with Blacksburg as well. Blacksburg, it was a little bit of a harder sell just because they never had Beyond Dying a Love, who probably went, what, Scott, 18 years before, something like that. Right. Nobody had ever really heard of the event. It was a little bit of a harder sell, except for with our superintendent, who used to be a principal out the Lynchburg way. So he knew what we were doing at Jefferson Forest. And it also helped that his daughter was going to be performing in that group. So the outfits were totally purchased by the school system that we had here because we didn't have any. The music, I think, was paid for by our booster organization. Transportation was paid for by the county. And I think we gave them a meal. I think they paid for the meal as well. But both I think we had... Success at both places, just a little harder sell on the second time. But it wasn't like it was awful. I was, I would just had, I compared it to this is our state football championship. This is it for us. This is the highest thing we can do in the state. And I think that once I told them what was all involved, it was the purse opened up a little bit more. Yeah, I would echo a little bit of what he said. When we made it, there was really not a clue what it meant, particularly at the building level. I'd just gotten a new principal. They were really not aware of what, of the gravity of it and what it meant for the program, for the school, whatnot. But at the, well, I'll call the downtown level, they were very supportive. They helped with getting the kids the tuck shirts and dresses, transportation, food, programs, all of that. So they were very supportive at the, at the top administrative level for us. Would you say that your kids had a good experience doing the actual event on the day of? I think the, it was hard. Yes, at the event, when they knew where we were, when we arrived and we we're being led through the catacombs of the homestead, yeah, it became really real for them. And all of a sudden we hit this ballroom and we're doing checks and, all, and band directors like Scott and Trey and Dave Webb start walking in and... They're seeing that it's starting to get for real. I think they enjoy, I think they got scared, and I think you can hear it in the first notes of the performance that it's a little scared sounding. And then they, oh, this is just like playing for mom and dad. It, they kind of loosen up, especially if you lead off with, the, I let off both times with something that I taught right off the very first piece. We, the very first piece I did was our opera, both concerts. And so it was very familiar to them. They, I knew they could play it on kind of like scared automatic pilot and make it sound pretty good. And then they settled in. And then after they were like, that was like one of the best things we've ever done. Yeah, I think they enjoyed it, especially the closer it got. And then, oh my God, really enjoyed it up to that point. Then they got scared to death for about two minutes and then they enjoyed the rest of it. Yeah, I guess, I guess a little similar. The middle school kids here, just where we live, they don't understand any of this. They just knew they were going on a really cool trip. And once they saw the actual hotel itself and the resort area, 
it started to kick in a little bit, kick in the nerves some. And again, we're parked there, out there outside. We were getting, girls are getting dresses pinned out in the, out on the lawn. We are, I just remember being not frenetic, but everybody, even the parents, I think the parents were more nervous than the kids were. I'll be honest. My parents are more nervous than the kids. And then the kids get in and then it just becomes, it's just a conversation between me and them. That's all it is. And they were fortunately enough for me. I had some woodwind players and some horn players and some percussionists that were absolute gamers. And the more people that came in the room, the more they got the look in their eyes. They were like, bring it. Let's go. Let's go. Now, the brass were not like that. The brass started off, they were scared to death. But I think the other guys, the guys in the back of the room, the percussion kids, because they were really solid, it gave everybody a sense of security. Now, after the performance is over, if I look at how did the kids view the event itself, I mean, for me, it came and went like that. Like we, there was no, we, there were no hangout time. We didn't get a chance to walk through and see the, actually the event downstairs or walk in any of the displays or any of that. We didn't get to see the actual convention itself. So we play, we get dressed, we get back on the bus. So in that sense, they love the performance, but for my kids, it was almost okay. Clocking in, boom, game time. All right. Game's over. All right. Let's get on the bus. It's pizza time. And they were so excited about going to Coochie's Pizza. I mean, and just being middle schoolers, I didn't even tell them the name of the pizza place until we got up to it. Because I knew you can't do it. You just can't do it. <laughs> Harry knows exactly where I'm talking about. Well, I'm they giggling were, every time you're saying it. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, we go there. And uh, they were excited about that. But they were like, okay, that's a thing. That was a thing. All right, what are we going to do next? Where are we going next? Now we're going home. So that is a testament to them. But also, I kind of felt bad that they did not get to absorb the entire event, the entirety of it. And then you think back, well, maybe that's just a me thing. Maybe that's because I'm into it. These kids are just into being in the band. They're not interested in, they're not interested in the Disney World aspect of it. They're just, they just want to be in the band. They won't play. Yeah, I know, play. That, I know that talking to, to, to kids from both bands. I mean, now, I mean, Scott and I, the first time we went, I mean, those kids are, I mean, they probably graduated college by now. And it's, I see them and they do, even if they didn't make it through the high school program, they go, the best thing we ever did in middle school was that event. We're so glad that you took us, that you, that we learned so much music and we performed at a high level for a very discerning audience. And we had a great time doing it. Maybe they maybe thought it was cool in the eighth grade. The older they've gotten, the more they've appreciated what, what happened and, and the enormity of it. So even the ones that I took from Blacksburg, they're now seniors in high school. They, they talk about that, you know, about that. That was the absolute coolest thing they did in middle school. Yeah. It was a really busy time. It was one of those times of year where we went from, I think we went from, I mean, that season marching band is crazy. And I do teach with Bassett, so it's super crazy. We were from state championships to national championships in New York to the next week it was BMEA. That's what we went through. So, and a lot of those, a lot of the eight, eight great kids I had, they had already been to a state championship. They had just gone to New York City, walked in New York City, saw the Lion King, and now they're coming to play dress up in front of a bunch of band directors. So for them, this is like, okay, what's next? Okay, we did state, we went to New York City, 
went to Broadway, got to see the 9-11 Memorial, and now we're going to play. We're going to get really dressed up and play a lot of music. So, yeah. Answer this to the extent that you feel comfortable. But I was curious about, this is, this, a lot of preparation goes into this event. How do you feel like your mental and physical health held up both before and after the performance was over? Well, I think the first, at least the first time, I was so scheduled out that I didn't really think about it too much. I know that my wife would probably disagree with that. I think it was probably every day I was coming home and, oh my God, this happened today. I think I maybe ignored, at least professionally, I was so geared up for that eighth grade class that I think my beginners and seventh graders maybe suffered because of it. They didn't get the same levels of instruction from me that they maybe would have gotten. That's probably true because obviously I had something distracting me. I mean, it was kind of all-encompassing. However, I did need to be dad at home still. I had, at that point, I had a five-year-old, no, a six-year-old and a one-year-old the first time I went. And making that change coming home it was pretty hard. I was still the assistant band director at Jefferson Forest. I also taught Lynchburg College and Randolph College in the afternoon, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was hard to really balance that. I'm glad that my wife was very supportive through the entire process. I mean, it wasn't great. It was not puppies and kitties every day at home. It just was not. However, she understood the enormity of it and, and what all was going to be involved and what it would mean for me. I think I knew how to better handle it here in Blacksburg, but obviously here in Blacksburg, I didn't have, we were done with marching band. We do well in marching band, but it's not uber competitive and uber crazy like JF was. And that's a, that's not good or bad. It's, it's just different. And so we were done with marching band before Halloween. And then I didn't have to teach after school adjunct somewhere else. I could just go home. So it was a lot different in that respect. And I knew what to expect and I knew how to handle a little better. So I maybe didn't take it at home as much as I did the first year. Yeah. My experience was similar and different. I mean, I had my, I had a son playing in my band and I had a daughter who was playing it in Trey's band. So it was a little bit of a family affair the entire time. And the compounding effect of the summer, which we did 21 hours rehearsal during the summer, that doesn't and the six Saturdays. So I really, I don't think I took a Saturday. There was no Saturday off between August and November. I think every Saturday there was something. And this, this compounding effect really didn't hit. And after the event was fine, the actual physical part of it didn't hit me until January. And that is when I think I took, I'd never taken a sick day in my life and I was deathly ill. And it didn't take me long to realize why. Just because I was physically, physically exhausted. And it was a testament to the kids because the kids pretty much ran the, I will say, I'm just going to say they ran the program for the rest of the year. Mm. They did. They ran it. If I didn't have really good student leaders, it would not have been successful. But I had kids I could trust to get us through. Because I, I, you know, when you're not physically your best, you're not going to be mentally your best. And I think Trey would attest to this too. Trey Harris, the high school band director who went as well. His happened the summer after. He had a very similar reaction to mine. And it was just because the year that it happened, there was just, we had a New York trip planned to try to get ready for that and still trying to get, I'm writing percussion music for the marching band. So I'm there 
were there three, sometimes four days a week and doing all of that and getting all the logistics down for this trip, plus a New York trip, plus state championships. It, it all happened. It all happened with support. But I think in the spring semester, when your body is when our bodies, for me in the spring semester, when my body said, okay, can I let go all this right now? <laughs> and then it was the summer for him. So it was, it was physically physically very taxing, which of course, I mean, means it was mentally taxing as well. It's funny because we had one of the best assessment performances that I've ever had as a band director that year. And that's a credit to just the kids, just the kids just running it and making it easy on the old guy. Do you still keep up with her? Oh yeah. I see him all the time. I mean, one of my student leaders, her mom's a choir director here. We talk about it a lot and I keep up with those kids quite often. I live with one of them or I live with one of them. <laughs> I lived with one of them and talk to another one of them every single day. So yeah, it's, it's something that they remember. But at the same time, we were very careful. We were ca- very careful not to psychologically overemphasize it or you just don't get anything else out of it. Is, it had to be, as Harry was saying at the beginning, it just had to be another step. Guys, this is just another step. This is just another thing that we can do. There are many things that you can do as a performer. This is one of the things that we can do. If you put the work in and you do what we do every day, if you trust that process, this is one of the things that you can do. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, the kids talk about it. They talk about the experience, even though it was just up and back. And They talk about the preparation for it more than they do the actual event, I'll be honest. Yeah. They talk about the the Saturday rehearsals and rehearsing with the soloist and all of that part. They talk about that as much as they do the day of the event, because I mean, Harry will agree that the day of the events, I mean, it goes by so quickly. It goes by so quickly. How did you guys have a soloist in your performance? The first time was my best friend that I had from college because I, I wanted to feature him some way. Me being from West Virginia, I wanted to make sure that people from Virginia knew that I was from West Virginia university and we have quality, we had a quality school at WDU as well. I brought him in. He was a teacher at, in the Boston area at that point at several universities. But that same year, which was that we went with Forest Band, the all Virginia jazz person that they had hired for the top band was also a friend of ours from WVU as well, Allison Miller. She played in the Tonight Show band for a little while. But I just wanted to make sure that me being from West Virginia and being a saxophone player too, that I invited somebody that played saxophone. The challenge was finding something not easy for him, easy enough for the band to play as backup. And and I was lucky to find the piece that we did to show him off and his expertise that he had as well in, in the band, just not for better word, and not comp and chords, like being able to play something musically with him as well. The second time I had such a wonderful flute player that year was probably the best musician I've ever taught that I needed to feature her. So I featured her one tune. I also had a kid that played saxophone that played, what was it called? Chinese gourd flute that his grandparent made for him, made 12 of them for the 12 chromatic pitches. And he had to bring in the one that played in the correct key with us. And I featured him as well. And I, because I just want to show what great students individually that we had here. And, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I had guest soloists both times. Yeah, we had a guest soloist and it just so happened. We had done some digging. I guess it really just sort of happened that year. 
found out that the new music, you, one of the new elementary music teachers was a clarinet player with the Air Force Band. And one of my first-year clarinet player, who was in the eighth grade, who was in the band that made the recording, she had been taking some lessons from him. So I got in touch with him, and of course he agreed. He was super excited about doing it. The best thing about that is I didn't have to worry about flying him in, busting him in, whatever. If I needed a rehearsal, didn't have to worry about a hotel room. Say, hey, here's our rehearsal schedule. Here's where we're going to be working on your parts. You can come in for this this little hour segment. We'll be working on this. He could come up during school. He could come in. And then once again, it was about finding something that was that was playable for the band, but would also kind of, you have to find something that is, as you said, not band, just comping. Find something that's musical, but also showcases the broad range of the musician. I'll be honest, that was the hardest piece for me to program by far. So we end up end up finding a little piece called Lightning Fingers. And he, I mean, he took what was on the page and he was so good he could even ad lib off the page. It was it's a little bit like it's a little bit like Carnival of Venice. And he could just go off on it. He was super easy to work with and a phenomenal player. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Are you guys interested in playing a conference again? I could probably do it one more time. Uh, it was a it was a goal at Forest ten years ago. Like I said, it was the next just the next step. I think the last time I played, I really made sure that I programmed music that that people should be able to perform at their own schools. Not that it was easy or anything like that. I just thought it was attainable for everybody. I made sure to do that and to program a lot of music so that they could hear more things. Because I think the biggest thing that the band directors struggle with, at least at the middle school level, is programming. We all went through music school. We talked about the old war horses in high school a lot in our methods classes, but we never really talked about middle school, at least not in my preparation. So I made sure I want to make sure that people hear good quality literature and that there's good quality literature at this level. So, yeah, in that respect, if and when I do another one, I'd still would probably continue with that programming as much music as I can that showcases new things out there for the age level and maybe a war horse in there too. Hey, this probably is in your files. You should pull this out. Here's what it sounds like. And, and showing that, and showing that people from our part of the state can do this too. You just don't have to be from the Northern regions to get there. Scott and I have done this. There's other, Charlie, you're getting ready to do it. There, there's more people out there than just us. And is I know that when I go judge and I hear a very fine middle school performance, I try to find that person that day and say, hey, that was really outstanding. You should submit a recording. People need to hear your groups. And I think it'd be wonderful. But so I think, like I said, yeah, I would do the process again, but it would definitely be the last time. <laughs> I mean, I would say yes with a caveat. It, under the rubric that we had when I applied before, there's no way. Do 45 minutes of music and understanding. Exactly. That that was definitely the hardest part. In one of the harder parts, 45 minutes of music. I mean, Scott, how many pieces did you play? Let's see. There was nine. Nine. I did 10 with Blacksburg and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight with Forest. So, so. that's a lot of music. And there is a, when it comes to middle school, you really have to fight the quantity over quality. And what I've noticed is being a BMA many times and listening to 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what level the band is at. It's whether you're listening to a band from Texas or Indiana or any other band. Middle school kids are still middle school kids. It's not like these these kids aren't any physically stronger than the kids that you and I have. And maybe their chops are a little this or that. But even with the best of the best, when the kids are tired, you can hear it. It doesn't matter who you are. You can hear it. And 45 minutes after doing it, 45 minutes is too much. I know that Jim Meredith's talked about, I don't know if he talked to you about this, Scott. The last time or one of the last times he sent the Sandusky band, he could tell they hit a wall in the performance of the MEA and he skipped the last tune that he was doing right. just so that they put out quality the whole time. Now this so. is, and this, and again, this comes down, some of this comes down to program as well. You do want to program when you're programming. I like to think of some sort of emotional or I, I, there needs to be a hook and there needs to be an emotional arc from the beginning of the program to the end. And one is I know that I have to start strong and I know that I have to end strong. Who's going to get the breather when this, I mean, that's it. If the whole, if the whole front, if the whole program is just 2D band, 80% of the time, you're not going to make, you're not going to make. And the danger you run into is you get the standing ovation, but then the, the kids come off knowing you have some really good kids. You've been going, God, I was terrible for the last 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't feel great about that at all. I mean, my, my jaw, I was slack jawed the whole time. I could barely form an homage. I was slobbering down my chin. So there has to be an arc and you have to plan who's going to get the break when, where do I need, to, where do I need to program a piece where my brass can get a break and has a big woodwind section in the middle? How can I program where the wood, my woodwinds, my clarinets, my reed players get a little bit of a break from chopping, from chomping down? And the brass takes this. Where can I give their fingers a break? Or where can I give the band an intensity break? And that that thought, if you go into that thought process, that kind of programming, where we do it in marching band all the time, if you have that thought process in your program about we can't just be all out all the time, then your program really becomes a program where people remember it. And the comments that I got afterwards from a guy from the Air Force band was really about that, about the fact that the program in and of itself, you didn't feel like there was a 15-minute dead spot, either musically or emotionally. And if I ever did it again, I would try to be even more picky, more picky about that. Might I do it if it's a 30-minute program? I think they've decided, is it 30 or 35? No, what is it now, Charlie? I don't know. The call I got said 20 to 25 minutes. Awesome. Perfect. Now, under that auspice, I would, and I'll get into a, if you're going to ask the last question, I mean, I can get into the little, that a little bit, but there are other factors too that go into to choosing whether or not you go, that go beyond whether the band plays well or not. Yeah. Well, by all means, our last question that I have listed is, what advice would you give directors who are performing at this event? Or is there anything that we didn't cover that you feel is important that we should talk about? I think you got to know what's what Scott talk, talked about this at first. The band that you submit the recording for is not the band that goes. You need to know what is behind it. Probably the best set of kids I have taught in my career are currently in, will be currently in ninth grade at Blacksburg High School next year. 
if I'd have made a recording with them, I would have had to know what my eighth graders were going to sound like this year. And to be honest, they're this the eighth graders that I have coming up are my COVID band. They are the ones. They are the ones that got impacted. I could not go to the schools like I, the elementary schools to recruit like I wanted to. I constantly tell people I think they're all on the wrong instruments, and and they're going to need a lot more tender loving care in the eighth grade than I'm usually than I usually do. They're going to have to be led through a lot more. No, guys, that's not a good sound. This is a good sound. So. It, it would not have been a good experience for anybody with that band going. So you needed to know, you need to know what's behind them. Now I know that my current seventh grade is coming up. They're going to be great. And it's maybe I could send in a recording next year. So you need to know what's behind it more than the high school folks do that. They only, what they replace at most a quarter of their band a, a year. Maybe, I don't know that it's not 100% like us from year to year. Yeah, I mean, one is just know how they play, but you also have to know, you have to know, I'll go back to the grittiness of the kids. They're, the kids that I had in 2012 that year were not the best music. They were not, there were no musicians in that band in certain sections that were at the level of the band that made the recording. But when they were asked, when they were called upon, when they realized that, okay, here's your duty, here's your job, they were like, I call it the yes, sir band and, uh, or yes, man, band doesn't matter whatever you are. It, it, that's one of the things we, we talk about a lot. And I said, yes, sir. is not always you saying yes, sir. Is when you come in the next day and you're prepared, it's the same thing is knowing your job and knowing your task. And those kids were definitely taskmasters. Were they the kind of kids who went home and practiced an hour every day? No, but when it was time to rehearse from minute one to minute 300, they were all task. So know your kids that way. You want to know how they play, but I think one of the advantages that folks like us have is we know exactly what we can do given a certain amount of time with a kid. Mm -hmm. Harry knows that if he has to change, if he has to change a clarinet player to an alto sax player, even if it's a BMEA, he knows he can do that because he's done it a thousand times. I, I mean, I had a kid change from trumpet to bass clarinet in December after the Christmas concert. He made the symphonic band at district. We've done this so many times. We've done crazy, wacky things with our band so many times. We've encountered so many wacky situations instrumentally. I think we know we can. I think that part actually comes easier than getting to know the kids and getting to know the kind of kid you have to get ready. Because even some kids that are really very naturally talented just aren't, they don't have great coping skills. So when it comes to trying to get through a long slog of a six-month regiment, they don't have a lot for you at the very end. So it's all the things we've talked about. It's programming. It's what Harry's saying. Know what you have coming. And when you submit the recording, you have to imagine that band playing that music. And would you be able to get them there? And the third thing I'll say is just philosophically, you cannot put all of your professional legs in this basket. Can't do it. You can't put because it it will without question disappoint you. If you don't enjoy the process and learn something from the process and be able to take something back from that process and put it to work in the bedroom, then what I mean, what else is there for you to do? We survived that semester. 
because of the leadership skills those kids learned in those six months. We survived the spring semester because those kids stepped up and ran rehearsal. They ran it. I'm not saying I took my hands off the wheel, but I was, I had one hand out the window. I mean, they were the, they were my right hand. And they only did that because it was a sense of responsibility that they learned through that process of what it takes to get from here to there. It wasn't the there, it was the what it took that they learned. And always have that in the back of your head. And don't institute a process that you can't repeat, that's, that, you can't, that you can't do over and over. I've had a lot of bands since that band that played better. I haven't had a lot of bands since that band that could do the job that band did. It takes a particular kind of group. I was told to submit this year, and I knew my seventh graders. I love them to death. But because of COVID things, they don't have the coping skills that the kids had back. They don't have the grit. It's not there yet. It's getting there, but they don't have that kind of, well, they hit obstacles for a lot of them. When they hit an obstacle, they don't know how to react to it. Right. Where it takes them longer to recover. That's where my are. And I love them dearly. And they are significantly more talented than the group that I took. But when I went to assessment this year, I had 30% of my band were sixth graders. 45% were seventh graders. And 25% were eighth graders. That was the band I took to assessment. And this was my COVID. This is my COVID band. Harry talked about. But again, you have to know. You have to know the grit. You have to know the character of your band. Get to know their character. Because I think we overestimate the difficulties in terms of instrument and sound because that's what we do every day. It's more about the it's more about the character of the kid and whether they are up to the challenge of getting ready. Even for a twenty twenty five minute program, learning how to perfect something is a skill that needs to be learned and also needs to be transferred when you're done. I think another piece of advice to give would be we're all middle school directors. Most of us do not have our own booster organizations and things like that. So usually when we do things like trips or whatever, we're the ones doing it all. So I learned that first year that I needed to delegate a lot more. There was no way I was going to survive if Jennifer Wilson, if I didn't get her some things that she was willing to do. I gave the program design up to our yearbook class that we had because what are they really working on the yearbook in September? Probably not. So they learned the ways around the program. So I gave that class a task. I gave our art class a a task in designing the cover. All I had was oversight. I would look at the three things they submitted and I go, okay, I like that one. I hate that one and things like that. I learned have parents. I also had parents when the outfits, like I didn't measure a kid. And before that, I would have probably done that. It, It took me a lot to let go and things came together. So I would say the more you can do that, the better, so you can concentrate on what needs to happen, which would be preparing the program. Blacksburg, I did a lot better. Scott said, I had some things in place. I already, I looked back through some old notes that I had, and it was a lot easier process at that point. But yeah, I, I think learn to let go, especially if you have a strong parent, strong parents, they can call, they can set up a lunch that you're going to have to have through Subway. You don't need to do it. Just in work, hey, I have a printing business. We'll print the programs for you. Great. Here it is. And and you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah, we had similarly, we had somebody on our band staff that was, that actually taught graphic design, was a university professor. He did the whole program. Yeah. Yeah. One of ours was an art teacher here at Blacksburg. And I taught his son. 
So that year that he went and he just designed it for free. Yeah. It's that the logistics are a thing. And honestly, that's just about preparation. I mean, that's just about looking ahead and preparing. And I I guess another thing would be, don't be afraid to call people that have done it before. I call Scott a lot that year that I, the first year I went was the luxury that David Webb had gone twice before that. He's taught in the same building called Jim Meredith over at Sandusky Middle School in Lynchburg a lot. I had people come in listen constantly. You had to be willing to open yourself up to. And uh, a lot of the Lynchburg folks came out in droves. Here at Blacksburg, a lot of the tech professors came over. And uh, just being willing to, for people to, to listen, because you're going to hear it so many times, you're going to think it sounds great, and they'll pick up on things that you haven't thought of. And being willing to go, yeah, that, that would be a lot better. All right, change that now. Yeah. Yeah, don't be afraid to, we uh, talked about it before, don't be afraid to change stuff. Don't be afraid of that. The score is not, it's not a prison. You're still making music. And if, if you find that what's on the score doesn't fit your personnel, you either need to change pieces or you need to just adjust the score, adjust the instrumentation, orchestration, where it does. I think we've, the whole podcast has probably been a little bit of advice along the way the whole time. But if I had to do it over again, the, the only thing that I really wish would have happened is that if it were 25, 30 minute program, probably would have done things differently. But you can't change that. So, I, and if, I probably would have delegated more. To, as Harry said, would have delegated a lot more. But unfortunately, Trey and I are both just mentally ill control freaks. <laughs> and I paid, I'll be honest, I had to change that year because I realized if I kept doing that, I wouldn't physically, <laughs> I wouldn't physically be able to do it anymore. We both learned a little bit about that. So I think we're, you learn a lot about pacing. You will learn a lot about pacing on the daily. Like when you come back and teach, you'll be, you will realize what kids can actually do when you put the main thing as the main thing. A lot of extraneous stuff will go away. One of the additional challenges for us is we have two band directors. My co-director, John Wilson, is about 11 years younger than me. And What is he, 14? Oh, jeez. Right. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, we work together really well. But we, we do bicker a lot, but in a good way. Like, we're both very opinionated people. We both want to do things a certain way. And when we have a disagreement, we duke it out, and then the best idea wins, which I think is a really beautiful relationship. But I'm already thinking ahead of, like, the pacing and the planning like you're talking about. It's, it's not just me. There's two people, and we both need our time in front of the kids, and our class is 43 minutes long. And I do, we do get to see them every day, which is great, but it's, it's a very short class. And I'm already thinking ahead to, like, man, we need to make sure that we plan out farther ahead than we normally do just so that we both feel like we get enough time in front of the kids on the pieces that we're conducting. And of course we have a couple guest conductors coming in too, but that is something I'm already <laughs> kind of thinking ahead and I'm sure I will learn a lot this year. Yeah. And I would say this too, this is a very simple thing, but never abandon the fundamentals. Scott, weren't you telling me that uh, you were still spending 30, 40 minutes on your fundamentals before, before your performance? Oh yeah. That dude, we were doing concert F. We were doing sound. We were doing tone. It absolutely drives me crazy, and I can't not do it. it, it but it's unnerving. But it's a process that it's a process that works. It, you can't ignore it. Uh, that's why the first year I felt like I needed to start before school started. You have to drive your fundamentals in at the same time, and, and that doesn't mean shortchange them or anything like that. It, you just have to do it. If not, they. Yeah, they might be able to play the piece, but it's not going to have emotion. 
it probably won't be in tune. It won't sound very good. So you have to ensure that things are just, they're going to sound good. And, uh, and the fundamentals are the way to get there. Yeah. I can't remember who said this, probably a thousand people, but bottom line is your band doesn't sound good. Band doesn't sound good. That's the most, that's the most important thing that we do every day. And that is the great equalizer. That is the private lesson. You got to set up every day. Like it's a private lesson for every instrument. What would you do if you were in a private lesson? And that, that can be the great equalizer. And the folks that have really done it very well, I think about Scotty Lambert, who was teaching out in the sticks in the woods back in the day. I mean, he was Mr. One Measure at a time. And, and I mean, I, I mean, painfully so. I mean, measure after. I'm not that way, but I'm just telling you, there. And there are many ways to skin that cat, but you can never abandon. You can never abandon what the band sounds like. See, I'm glad you said Scotty, because Scotty told me the best thing I'd ever gotten as a teacher. He heard the forest band play and we're trying to play some grade four thing because that's what I think I should be doing at that point. And he, he said, Harry, this one tune is killing you on the recording. He goes, this one tune is killing you. In fact, it's longer than most middle school programs. You need to, you obviously can teach, but you need to make sure that you really stress the fundamentals. I put that recording away for a long time and came back to it in the summer. And that's when I changed. And that was probably about, I don't know, five, six years before we got got into this event that we're talking about today. So fundamentals, I, I mean, I will not stray from them. In fact, the kids over at Tech, I might, my, once we're done with this, I'm probably going to call the professors over there to set up when they're going to come over and watch this because they need to see from day one, what do you do with your eighth grade band or sixth grade or seventh grade or whatever fundamental wise it's not all about feeding the music the whole time it's about working on skills yeah and the cool thing is to look at it as a learning process and just because you get in and your kids played well enough to get in it doesn't mean that the process it doesn't always mean that you shouldn't change your process for this particular thing and i'll i'll close with this is i remember teaching a certain way in that spring and I can remember what we did beginning, sort of beginning, middle, end. I remember how we got ready to play for that or for that recording. And then I remember what I did the spring after, and I realized I needed to change. And the whole process of getting ready for VMEA made me realize that I needed to be more efficient. I was not being efficient. I wasn't being efficient musically. I wasn't being efficient physically for my own my own well-being wasn't being you tend to do too much when you're in charge of doing everything you tend to try to do everything and you can't do it and one thing that it did teach me is is you can't be afraid to change what you're doing and you'll learn that real quick getting ready for this and once again you will you'll separate the wheat from the chaff in your process it will if you look at it the right way it'll help you change It'll help you change for the better. So don't be afraid to change what you're to change what you're doing. If something's not working, it's not working. Well, we've been going on it for a little while, so I think we'll probably end in a bit. I just wanted to ask you guys, everyone who comes on the show, I ask them the same three questions at the end of the episode. So if you don't mind, we'll we'll go Harry first and then Scott for each one of these. But the first question is, do you have a mentor shout out? I've already said a couple. Scotty Lambert is one. Jim Meredith is another. Just for say hey and thanks for all that you've done for, for me through the years 
they they'd done it a long time before I even came into the profession and they were great mentors the whole way. Dave Webb, my longtime partner in crime at JF. I'd like to shout out to him too. He taught me a lot about work ethic in the profession. Yeah, I have a lot of the same folks. I think Jim Meredith is probably a he's probably a mentor of many people. I wouldn't have I mean I would not have I would not have made a recording if it weren't for Jim's encouragement. So big thanks to Jim. I'll also say David Webb. David Webb has always had positive things to say and has, has always been a bit of a calming influence when it comes to doing things like this because he's been around the block and so many times. And of course, Mr. Harris and I, we're just, we're just two sides of the same coin. We, we're pretty good puzzle pieces. Our strengths and weaknesses fit together really well to make a cohesive unit. So that friendship means a lot. And then just the people that I've been able to see, Bobby Lambert, who's now at Wando, who was a Marian Catholic, Andre Fagan, some of these, the people that have been in my band room, and I've just gotten to watch what they do and how they do, and you take pieces of this and that. And then there are the ones that don't even know that they're your mentors, the ones that you study from afar, Aaron Cole. The one that's had the biggest influence on me is, is Richard Salcedo. And really not his, not the music, but just how he taught and the way that he taught and the emphasis that, that he put on how he taught was, has been a mentor to me from afar for a long time. I've had the honor to be able to talk with him through email and, and in person. And he was a tremendous mentor for me. And another piece of advice is find your mentors, find your mentors. You didn't invent music. You didn't invent band. Find the people who do it really well and who do it like Scotty and like Jim, who've done it under conditions that are similar to your own. All right. I'll close with one more question here. Name a band director who is crushing it right now. And you can't name anyone in the Zoom call. I think Savon Dowen. I think that's her last name. At at Floyd T. Benz and Cole Pepper is killing it. Yeah, I think she's done it for a while that way i mean i got the pleasure when i was in charlottesville being in the same district she was doing it before that and she's doing it while i was there and she's continued to do it in not the greatest of situations yeah i mean not that they're not that cole pepper's not a good situation but she faced the same thing we did she's saying she's dealing with the same school kind of problems with the size schools we were in she had to deal with covid and all that i think she is absolutely killing it i think another one that's starting to show that he is killing it is Jason Hackworth at Charlottesville High School. I know that his last band that he had this year, marching band has grown by leaps and bounds in the, in the last eight years. And and I got the pleasure of hearing the concert band this year, and they are spot on. They are doing some wonderful things over there. Yeah, I mean, I don't get out as much as I used to, but I, I know that Alex Schmidt's doing a good job at Patrick Henry High School. Mm-hmm. Roanoke, yep. his, his sit-down band plays really well. And he's a very hard worker. And remind me, who was it that just, I think he just left Harry. He was so good. Took took Sweeney's place. Oh, that's uh, a Colt Campbell. Colt Campbell. Man, he was doing they a good job. night, was he? Were they night and day? And I had a chance to talk with him and Colt Campbell, wherever he goes. With the Florida. Man. Oh, yeah. Wherever he goes, he's going to be great. There's, yeah. Yeah, because he had those kids playing. Another one from our district, too, I failed to mention is Josh Detweiler over at Berkeley oh, yeah. Middle School. I mean, he, yeah. he is doing phenomenal. He's just uh, he's just really good with the kids. Mm-hmm. Kids like him. He does really. I like Josh. Just I personally. 
personally a great guy. There are, I mean, there are many who are getting there. Somebody that you remind me of a little bit, Charlie is a former student of mine. He's now in Georgia, is Rocky Ankeny. He was at Franklin County and now he's, he's gone to Georgia and he's, you and he are on the same spectrum of people. And he's very smart, very organized, especially for his age. He's going to, he's going to do some great things. Oh yeah. And I do believe that the the guy that takes this place, you need to watch out for him. He's, his name's Adam Singer. He's another former student of mine. He just took over for Rocky at Franklin County. And I would say, watch out for that group. He's very good, very good. And so, Charlie, you've probably gotten out more in the last couple of years than I have. So you probably you probably have seen more people who are super duper, yeah, super I mean, duper crushing it. I've just seen so many incredible middle school groups in the last couple of years. I mean, a lot I could name, but I won't because we've been going for a while. But yeah, it's it's just there's a lot of people I want to encourage to send in recordings because their bands are just phenomenal. I mean, I judged a couple of bands this year where I my tape was almost blank. This is the most incredible thing I ever heard, and I'm just going to listen right now. <laughs> just heard some groups that were really crushing. Actually, so Siobhan's band was one of those. Band performed this year for District 13's assessment, and I we're we're friends, so you know we talk a lot. But I actually got to hang out in her band room a little bit last year and just see her work with the kids, and she just has phenomenal energy. But her group came on stage, and all three judges were just like, "Oh my god!" Like this, the sounds that are coming out of this band are just magical right now. Yeah, there's just, there's so many. Just really great directors. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people I would love to see play at conferences. She is definitely one of them. Yeah. She's yeah. definitely one. Where is she again, Harry? I need to look she's her up. a Floyd T. Benz in Culpepper. Okay, got it. Yep. In fact, she might be somebody good to have down for to direct for us. Yeah, we've had her come into our district band and our, our county band, and she did a great job. Did a wonderful job. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you guys having me come into your classrooms. I've been with both of you guys for a full day of teaching, two for Scott. And I just learned so much. I told people, I was like, look, like I just learned more in one day than I think I learned at any conference or several years of college, <laughs> you know, just from watching these guys teach. It's just incredible just to be in the room. And that's a lot of the reason why I think my band is having the opportunity that it has right now is because of what I learned from you guys. And just learn like what is even possible. And I think that's something for young directors. I, I try to encourage, please go see a master teach because in school, like you're talking about Harry, like you don't really study middle school lit very much and you don't study a whole lot of beginning methods either, probably compared to what they should. But just going in like being in your classroom and seeing, oh, this is even possible at this age. I remember Scott, when I came into your room and your flute players were playing all their scales in two octaves with vibrato. And I was like, they can do that on year two. Oh, Okay, and then, well, now I need to see if I can get my kids to do that. I didn't even think that was a thing that, that you could do. And just seeing what's possible. And I just, I really appreciate you guys letting me come into your room and just kind of absorb your knowledge and expertise. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. And you're crushing it too, bro. Yes, you can't are. Wait, can't, can't wait to hear your group play and come We'll be on the up. front row. <laughs> absolutely. Good afternoon, Mrs. Nesmith. <laughs> My name is Scott Arby, judging you in the area of programming. Of general effect. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you for coming in on your summer, especially. Oh, well, no problem. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Flying Baton. Remember, may your tone be dark and your humor light.